Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. I have something that I need to confess to you guys. Something that I really need to get off my chest. And I was really hoping that this was a safe place to confess this. You go, yeah, I think it is. Now y'all are looking at me like, what does he have to say? Here's the thing, guys. Ever since my granddaughter was born, even to this day, I have spoiled her with candy and gum and chocolate and ice cream and cake and even Coke. Whew, I feel better. Now, I, I got to tell you, when Cordy and I are together, she's never happier. Because we'll go to the store and she'll say, Grandpa, and I know what she wants. Okay? It is the coolest thing. And to be honest with you, more often than not, I give her back to her parents with a bellyache. <laughs> Now, I am really grateful that her mom and dad provide her with solid food for her to grow with. You guys understand that, right? A steady diet and um, a a steady diet of sweets is fun, but it's not healthy. You go, okay, where are you going with this? Here's the point, right? Mom and dad want her to grow up healthy. So what do they do? They give her the meat. They give her the potatoes. They give her the vegetables. They give her the broccoli. They give her these things. Okay, now, the reason I confess this to you is because we're about to embark on a brand new book. You guys with me? It's the book of Matthew. And see, Matthew is not like Revelation. Okay, Revelation is kind of like the sweets, it's the donuts, what's going to happen next? It blows your mind. Sometimes, it's, you know, you get the little sugar rush and then you come down. That's the, Revel- that's the book of Revelation. Okay, every now and then... Uh, Pastor Self will teach, and he'll give you Ephesians, and it's good stuff, and everybody goes, mmm, yum, right? Matthew is not like that. You guys want to know what Matthew is? Matthew is the meat and the potatoes of the Word of God. The, and, and I know we all like steak, but sometimes there's, there's, there's some veggies with that. There's some other stuff, and, and okay, so here, here's the point, guys. On, on Wednesday night, we're, we, we, we have, we're in Revelation, so come and enjoy the book of Revelation. Let me just let you know where you are in Revelation. We're right in the middle of the tribulation, and it's not good. The world is a mess, but, but we're going to get fed, guys. We're going to get fed in the book of Matthew. Potatoes and um, um, veggies... Yeah, you were saying about mashed potatoes earlier. You can have these. Okay. Um, fish, chicken. Yeah, I'm going to make y'all hungry. Okay, enchiladas. Yeah. Taco. There we go. Guys, every parent, especially you moms, want your kids to grow up healthy. Right? And that's why... Grandpa can get away with the things that he does, okay, because moms will take care of that. Now, as we come to Matthew's gospel, please understand it is the meat and potatoes of God's word, okay, 
because it starts off with genealogy. Now, what a lot of people do is they'll skip the genealogy and they'll move to the latter part of the chapter, okay? But guys, there are some things that these verses that we need to grasp that'll help us in our walks, okay? So here we are. The Lord has called you to the table, and so we're going to sit down and we're going to be fed, okay? So today we're going to cover all of chapter one, okay? We're going to go through the genealogy, but if you're taking note, here's what I want you to do. I want you to jot these down, okay? The first thing we see, guys, as we connect chapter one is that is that Matthew connects the Old Testament, okay? He wants to connect the Old Testament, and he's going to show us the genealogy all the way back to David and then all the way back to Abraham. So he wants to connect, guys. That's the most important part, right? Now, listen, the other day, many years ago, I was out running and I found a love letter to, I was on the road and I picked it up and it was a love letter from a guy written to a girl and it had no connection to me whatsoever. All the mushy stuff he said in there didn't affect me one bit at all or Natalie, right? Because it wasn't written to us. Well, what, what Matthew's trying to do is connect the Old Testament, because the people would be going, boom, there it is. Okay, all the way to David. Oh, David, all the way to Abraham. And then the second point he's going to do, guys, is going to be, he's going to give us the birth of Jesus. What happened in the beginning? And that is uber important. Okay, now, every year around December 24th and December 25th, we celebrate the virgin birth. Amen? We call it Christmas. But I'm going to show you something today that I think Joseph needs to get a fair shake during Christmas. Okay? And it's going to be based on what he does here today. Okay, so every good house needs a foundation, Linda. So I've got to give you a foundation. You've got to grasp this. You guys are privileged because you're here, but you're going to have a foundation. Now, let me give you three things so you can understand. It's so important. Okay, this letter is written to you. But you need to understand it. Let me tell you why. Because the emphasis is on Jewish. Okay, Matthew is a Jew who's writing to Jewish people. Our background is not Jewish. We don't understand that. We come from a Western culture. So a lot of things they say, it goes, oh, I'm not sure what I... But, but let, me, let me give them to you, okay? Here's the first thing you need to understand. There are four Gospels written. Four Gospels, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If you were to go over to Ezekiel, Ezekiel actually links the four Gospels with the four faces of the cherubim, okay? The cherubim are those angels, and there's four faces and four Gospels. Now, a lot of people come to the Gospels, and they say, well, this Gospel says this, this Gospel says that. Well, there's, I'm not sure what's happening, and and, and the Bible contradicts itself, right? What we have called synoptic Gospels. That means Matthew, Mark, and Luke all kind of say the same thing, and John is kind of all by itself. Now, it doesn't contradict itself. What it is is that you have four different eyewitnesses uh, telling the same story. Now, it might be a little bit different, but it's basically the same, okay? For example, if you and I were driving to church, okay, and we saw a wreck, every one of us saw the wreck, and we were asked to describe it, well, Soph would say something, I saw this and this and this, his perspective. Alex would come and say, I saw this, this, and this. Sally might go, no, 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 did you see this, this, and this? It's the same wreck, but it's different perspectives. You guys tracking? That's the gospel. But... As the Old Testament is linked to the New Testament, guys, Ezekiel chapter 10, verse 14, reads like this. Each of the four cherubim had four faces. 
The first was a face of an ox. Everybody see that? The second was a, was a human face. The third was a face of a lion. And the fourth was the face of an eagle. Can you imagine looking at that? You see, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. But see, God puts it all together. These four living creatures in Ezekiel express Christ in the four aspects. How so? As a man, as a lion, as an ox, and as an eagle. You're going, what? Yeah, yeah. See, these four faces actually correspond to the Gospels. You go, what do you mean? Well, think about this. In the Gospels, the man Savior is in Luke. The king, Savior, is in Matthew. That's why the title is, The King is Introduced. The Jewish people were looking for a king. They were under Roman oppression, and this is the king. Okay? If you were to study Mark, Mark, he comes as a servant. Guess what the servant is? An ox. An ox is that beast of burden, that servant that just keeps serving. That's what Mark does. And then, of course, John shows him as God. Emmanuel, God with us. And so you're going, oh, Matthew, Mark, Luke. Same account of who Jesus is, different perspectives. Okay? But what the, what the Word of God is trying to do is give us a completeness, if you will, of who Jesus is. Okay? He was the man, he was the king, he was the savior, and he was God. That's who Jesus is. And people go, yeah, I don't know if I really believe in Jesus. He was just some guy. No, 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 he's king. And so that's the first thing. The king is introduced. As a matter of fact, just a side note, do you remember when he died on the cross, guys? What was written up top? It said, Jesus, king of the Jews. Very good. That's why. He's like, he's the king of the Jews. No, 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 don't write that. That's the king of the Jews. No, no, no. This is exactly what he is. Okay. The second thing I want you to know, here's the foundation, laying the foundation. You go, what's that? First thing is we know the gospel. Second thing is, guys, I want you to look. I want you to look at the people God used in the genealogy. Okay? When we think of Jesus, this is God in the flesh, we think, oh my What a beautiful lineage God would provide. But when you really think about it, guys, um, these were not people that you would think would be in here at all. The lineage of Jesus. As a matter of fact, make special note. You go, what's that? Matthew talks about four women found here. Four specific women. You go, what's the big deal, bro? You know, here's why. Listen. Women were not mentioned in these days. Whenever somebody wrote them, they were women, they were insignificant. They said, no, we're not going to, the women, yeah, they had the babies, but, but, but in the writings, Matthew goes, no, 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 listen, I don't care. I don't care. I, I'm going to take a big risk and even be ridiculed because people would look at Matthew and go, well, your writing's not authentic because you added women. You're not supposed to add women. He goes, no, no, here's the thing. I don't mind if I, because these women are important. And you go, well, who are they? Well, if you're taking note, the first one is Tamar. We're going to see Tamar, okay? He, he mentions Tamar. He mentions a lady by the name of Rahab. Rahab. Also, too, we see Ruth. And then we see the wife of Uriah, otherwise known as Bathsheba. These are four women 
that we're going to look at in depth today just blows our mind. That God would use in his lineage. This is unbelievable. The third thing I want you to see, you got to put your thinking caps on, guys. you got to put your thinking cap on. You go, what's that? Matthew. Matthew was a tax collector. Now, to you and I, not a big deal. Not a big deal. Oh, well, he's a tax collector. Okay, we read him throughout Scripture. But what we need to know is Matthew was and his occupation to understand his thought process. Okay, Matthew was an A-type personality. Every number had to be in place. Everything, so he's going to write very A-type. He's not going to kind of go, you know, he's not going to beat around the bush. He's going to tell you this is what it is. Now, what you need to understand is that the, the, the name Matthew is cool, but the fact that he was a tax collector, everybody hated him. Everyone hated him. You go, why? Why would everyone? Because he made a living and, and guys, he would, he would, okay, so here's how it went down, okay? So all of a sudden, Feathers gets her IRS bill. Okay, I owe the IRS $20. So here comes Matthew. Hi, Feathers. I'm here to collect your taxes. So Feathers goes, great. My bill says $20. She goes, no. See, that's what Rome wants. I want a hundred. And Feathers would go, wait, wait, you're going to charge me 80? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm going to charge you. You either give me 80 or you're going to jail. So guess what? Me and Feathers, she doesn't like me. Okay? It's one thing for me to make a living, but it's a whole other thing for me to it, it, basically extortion. I'm going to take money. So then I go and then I go over to Sally. Sally, how much was your bill? $40? Okay. Well, you're going to owe me 120 and so forth. You understand, right? So that's how they made it. That's how they became wealthy. Okay. So right off the bat, your neighbor who was your fellow Jew is now working for Rome and taking your hard-earned money. Who are you going to complain to? This is the Roman IRS hotline. What can I do for you? That's not going to happen. And so you're awfully upset. Matthew, what are you doing? You traitor. Right? You played football with Matthew in high school. Now you want to beat him up. But you can't. And Matthew's getting rich. But it goes even deeper than that. It goes deeper than that. You go, what do you mean? Do you realize that the taxes, the taxes that you're paying Rome was to fund a massive Roman army that would go into your relatives' towns, raid them, rape your cousins, and kill all of your family. In other words, we're paying taxes, Reina, and they go down to Slayton, and all of your relatives there, here comes Rome, and it takes in, and you just funded that. You get a phone call that says your uncle got killed by the Roman army and it raped your niece and your aunt and they can do whatever they want to because they're Rome. This is mad. This is, this is, this is what's going on here. You see? And so your neighbor across the street that you used to be friends with, that you used to wave to when, when you left, now you hate. And all of a sudden, guys, you're just like, wow. That's who wrote this book. 
That's who wrote this book. Very, very important. Now, Matthew's going to write, okay? That's the foundation. Understand how he's going to write, okay? Now, if I was Jesus, Rosa, if I was Jesus, I wouldn't pick Matthew. Matthew's fighting for the other team. He's a loser. He's messed up. Are you kidding me? No. No. There's got to be somebody better than Matthew. What about Zacchaeus? What about Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector. So they got a percentage of everybody else's. Let's jump into our book, guys. You ready? This is foundation. This is foundation. Look at what verse one and verse one to three. Okay, I'm going to point out some stuff. You got it. You got to catch this, man. This is going to change the way you read the, the Bible. It says the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of who? Abraham. So Matthew right away goes, okay, I need to connect. Okay, who were their heroes, guys? Who were who were Israel's heroes? Number one was Moses. Okay, he was he's led him he led them out of slavery. But Abraham, Father Abraham and David, these are guys, these are the kings. He says, hey, guess what? This is where, this is where Jesus came from. He came from David. Everybody goes, ooh. And he came from Abraham. Wow. The bloodline? Yeah. Yeah. Well, how so? Well, he goes, let's go back. Abraham, what's that word, guys? Begot. Okay. So just underline that. Abraham begot Isaac. Isaac begot Jacob, Jacob begot Judah and his brothers. Now, let me stop right there for just a moment. If I were to ask you, Feathers, if I were to ask you, did Abraham have any sons? You would say, yes, he had two sons. But see, people, Ishmael was not the son of promise. So the writer, guys, goes, I'm going to give you what you need to know. This is the son of promise. You understand that? Okay? Because other people would take that and go, oh, see, the Bible contradicts himself. Because he's going to say, take your son, your only son, Isaac, and offer him as a sacrifice. You go, wait, that, that wasn't. Do you understand how God writes the word? Very, very specific. So he says, okay. So Abraham, guess what? He had a son named Isaac. And Isaac begot Jacob. You guys know that. Jacob begot Judah, but he also had brothers. How many did he have? Twelve. Okay. Judah begot Perez and Zerah by Tamar. Perez begot Hezron and Hezron begot Ram. Now, what's the very first thing? Right off the bat, we see this lady named Tamar. Do you remember who Tamar is? Tamar is not somebody that I would put in the lineage of Jesus. Why? Okay, so understand who Tamar is. Tamar is the daughter-in-law of Judah. The daughter-in-law, okay? So she marries his son. They have a great wedding. They're registered at Kohl's. It's amazing. And then all of a sudden, Judah's son dies. What? Well, in that custom, you took the net. If he didn't, if he didn't leave an heir, you took the next son and said, okay, I'm going to give you so you could bring an heir. So the next son marries Tamar and then he dies. Okay? So guess what? Dad's like, whoa, now he's got one more son. He's like, she's killing the dudes. Whew. 
So, so she's like, well, let's wait till he gets older before you marry him. Well, he doesn't do that, right? So what does Tamar do? She pretends to be a prostitute and sleeps with her father-in-law and gets pregnant. And I'm thinking, wow. This is not who I put in, in, in the lineage of Jesus. This is not, listen, Abraham, Father Abraham. Right? All of these are cool. But, but Tamar, no, 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 no. She's a manipulator. She's a deceiver. But here's what I see. I see God saved her. And he began to use her in a mighty way. Uh, Guys, think about this. Here's what I love that God does. Guys, I'm so glad that God can change me from who I was to who he wants me to be. Guys, we never come into this relationship with God perfect. We never come in going, we we come in broken and beat and and stinky and yucky and strangey. And this is Tamar. And Tamar was willing to sleep with her father-in-law to prove a point. And she gets pregnant. And it's like, no way. Yeah, you see, because... Zerah by Tamar, right? Perez and Hezron and Hezron Ram. So what happens? That was Tamar. But look at, look at verse four. And Ram begot Abinadab. Abinadab begot Nashon. Nashon begot Selman. Selman begot Boaz by Rahab. And Boaz begot Obed by Ruth. Obed begot Jesse. Guys, who's the next person he names? Rahab. Now, she just didn't play the part of a prostitute. She was a prostitute. As a matter of fact, the implication is that, guys, is that her house was a house of, it was like an inn. It's where she invited the men in. She kind of knew everybody. Hey, Jack. Hey, Fred. How you doing? You know, she knew people. Guys, this is Rahab. Now, listen, listen. Tamar, okay, maybe I'll let her squeak in. Okay, because she just played. I mean, I, I get it. But I'm not going to let a... No, no, no. A prostitute, guys. A woman of the night. And what does she do? God, she heard God's voice. She heard God's voice, guys. And she hid the spies up on the roof. Okay? And her, her request was one of faith. She said, promise me that my family will be saved when God comes in and gives you the land. She trusted the Lord. Guys, her faith, guys, her faith saved her. Do you guys remember? She put a scarlet um, thread around the window, and they knew. And here's what the spy said. Listen, if you come out of the house, it's not on us because we're coming in. And she stayed there, and she was saved. But, but, but what, 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 what's changed? Guys, Rahab, think about that. She was used, guys, by God. She became the mother of Boaz. It was incredible. This is not how God does things. You see, God's very orderly. No, no, no. He takes the broken, the messed up, the crazy, all of this stuff, and he just heals them. And by faith, they get saved. And if you ask Rahab in heaven today, she's just like, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. 
That's Rahab. And if you don't believe me, go ask Tamar. And Tamar's going, wow. I didn't think God would use me. But see, then they had little Boaz. And Boaz grew up, right? And, wh- and what did he do? He married a girl by the name of Ruth. You guys realize that Ruth was not Jewish. She was a Moabitess. Okay? She was grafted in the family through marriage. She was grafted in. And if you recall, she married Naomi. She married Naomi's son who died there in Moab. And what she should have done is her and Orpah should have gone home and, and, and had other families. But she said, no, 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 Naomi, I'm going to go with you. And your people will be my people and your God will be my God. And I'm going, wow, this is incredible. And what I love about Ruth is it didn't matter where she was, what nationality she was. She served the Lord. Why? She was a very hard worker. She was out in the fields gleaning. And Boaz saw her. Isn't that incredible? And Boaz saw her and said, who are you? I love that. I love that. Long story short, guys, Boaz and Rahab, um, I'm Ruth, sorry, had a son, and they had a son named Obed. Obed was David's grandpa. And you're going, cool. And I wonder if Obed spoiled David like I spoiled Cordelia. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. But we know that this is where it's coming. Okay? So, man, now you have, now you have three women. Okay? Three women, let's be honest, that you and I would not pick to be in the lineage of, of, of the Lord. Oh, no, no, no. This is, this one's, oh, I questionable. This one is a prostitute. This one, I'm not sure where she's from. She doesn't have our same belief. She doesn't believe the same as we do. I don't know. But then look at verse 6. And Jesse begot David the king. Okay? David the king begot who? Solomon by her who had been the wife of Uriah. Wow. Notice that the Lord honors Uriah. He doesn't say, hey, it's Bathsheba. He goes, by the way, she was married. She was married. Okay? But if you're taking note, this is Bathsheba. Okay? This is Bathsheba. Do you guys remember what happened with Bathsheba? Now, now, let me, guys, let me just put this out there. David was home when he should have been out at war. Bathsheba's there taking a bath where David could see. This whole thing smells very fishy, doesn't it? Okay? Now, here's what I want you to see. David walks out and he's like, Hubba, Hubba, who's that? Sir, that's the wife of Uriah. She's married. She's married, huh? Hmm. She looked pretty good down there in the bath. Call her on up here. Right? And you're going, but pastor, he was the king. She had to come. No, 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 no. Here's what I want you to see. Here's what I want you to see. He invites her into the room, and she gets pregnant. Okay? He has an affair. He has sex with her. You're going, okay. Here's what I want you to keep this keep in mind. You go, what's that? Bathsheba could have said no. You understand that she had a right to say no. No, no, no. I can't do this. I'm married. And the king would have honored that. 
They had enough servants. Now, some speculate, I'm just going to tell you, some speculate that Bathsheba knew exactly where the king was, knew exactly what time he was going to get out and stretch, knew exactly what time to take a bath at. Some people speculate that. This is Bathsheba. Yeah, some of you are like, I knew that. Those are girls. Those women are. That's what they do. David, on the other hand, had no right to go, come on up here. They were both at fault. You understand that, right? Why? And I'll tell you why. Because, guys, because Bathsheba could have said no. The Bible said David is an adulterer, but he's not a rapist. Okay, he didn't just force himself on her. She could have said no. Now, Bathsheba, this is not somebody I would put in the lineage of my Jesus. Okay? I want to keep it clean. I want to keep it pure. But now you've got, oh, no, now you've got Tamar, and then you've got, oh, no, not Rahab. Rahab, Ruth, okay, maybe I can scoot with Ruth because she's pretty faithful. She's solid. But now we got Bathsheba. No, 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 no. No. Well, the baby dies. You guys know that. But then she gets pregnant again. And she gives birth to Solomon. Okay? So, four women. Four women that we would think absolutely, positively not. Now, here's the thing, guys. Isn't it, isn't it appropriate to honor Mother's Day even today? Because these are women who God used to bring the lineage of Jesus. And I'm telling you the same thing. If you're a mom in here today, if you're a mom in here today that is sharing the gospel with your kids and with other folks, you're bringing the lineage of Jesus to their house. God's using you. God's using you. I am telling you right now, my wife and I differ when it comes to grandkids. My wife is very... She's, she loves her grandbaby, but she makes her read. She makes her... She, I spoil her. we got to have a balance. But thank you. Thank you. Look what God is going to do. Because I'm telling you right now, here's what the enemy is telling you women. You have not accomplished anything. Your life is worthless. You didn't do anything right with your kids, no matter what. Even if they rebelled or didn't rebel, I'm telling you no. God uses us, and he saves us. And listen to me. You are worth it. So when the devil tells you that you're this or you're that or you didn't accomplish this or you messed up here, you tell him to shut his face because God is bigger. That would be a great place for an amen right there, guys. Yeah. Because look who he uses. Well, let's go on, guys. Solomon begot who? Rehoboam. Rehoboam begot uh, Abijah. Uh, Abijah begot Asa, Asa begot Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat begot Joram, and Joram begot Uzzah, Uzziah, Uzziah begot Jotham, Jotham begot Ahaz, and Ahaz begot Hezekiah, Hezekiah begot Manasseh, Manasseh begot Amon, and Amon begot Josiah. Okay, so all of these people, we're just generation after generation. But notice with me verse 11. Guys, highlight that. Why? Because Josiah begot Jeconiah. And his brothers, about the time they were carried to Babylon. Now, if you're an Old Testament student, if you're an Old Testament student, the name Jeconiah would jump out at you. And you go, why is that? Why? Over in Jeremiah chapter 22, verses 24 to 30, 
Here's what happened. Je- Jeconiah, guys, the Lord says, he pronounces a curse upon this king. He says, you will not have a kingly line anymore. He just cut off the messianic curse right there with Jeconiah. You're like, what? I didn't know that. See, in this curse, God says, he predicts, none of your descendants will prosper and be on David's throne. And Jeconiah is going, what? So if you look at it, it trips you out because right here, God cursed the messianic line. He just cursed it. How are you going to have somebody from the kingly line be on the throne? So what did God do? If you don't understand it right here, God, that Jesus, basically, he, he, how is he going to be king? Through Jeconiah, okay? Because we're studying genealogy. Here, here you go, right? Abraham, da 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 boom. And he's like, oh no, oh no. So what do you mean? If our Lord had been naturally birthed, a son of Joseph, he would have descended right here from the line of Jeconiah. But God cursed the line. And you're just like, what? So, so technically, guys, Jesus could never reign in power and righteousness because of this curse. You go, well, what happened? God had other plans. You go, what do you mean? Well, he cursed Jeconiah, but he came this way through the bloodline of Mary. You understand that? He came through the bloodline of Mary. That's why it's so important that she had to have a virgin birth. Okay, there are some non-essentials that you and I can differ over. Pastor, is the rapture going to happen in the beginning or in the middle? We can divide. We can divide, but we cannot divide. We cannot. We I, we cannot compromise over the essential, the virgin birth. That means everything. She had to be. Okay, so important, so important. You guys with me? Okay, so what happens? They go to Babylon. Look at verse twelve. And Jeconiah begot Sheltiel, and Sheltiel begot Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel begot Abud, and Abud begot Eliakim, Eliakim begot Azor, Azor begot Zadok, Zadok begot Achim, Achim begot Elud, Elud begot Eleazar, Eliar begot Matanaham, Matthiam, and begot Jacob. And Jacob, what did he do? He begot Joseph, who was Joseph? the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. So all the generations from Adam to David are 14 generations. From David to the captivity of Babylon are what? 14 generations. And from captivity of Babylon until Christ are 14 generations. Now, if you're an Old Testament scholar or you'll read some commentaries, you know that there are more generations. But what God does is he picks specific the 14 right here to show the lineage of Jesus. You guys with me? But I want to show you something. Remember at the beginning of service, I had you say that word begot, right? What does that mean? That they they had a son. And they begot this guy and, and, and this guy. Mentioned four women. But go back. Go back with me, guys. Look at verse 16. I want you to highlight that in your Bible if you don't mind. And Jacob, what did he do, guys? He begot Joseph, the husband of Mary. So this is Joseph. But notice what it says, comma, of whom was born Jesus, who is called the Christ. Okay, I want you to note the change in expression. 
You go, what do you mean? It no longer says begot. Okay? But it says, this is Joseph, who is the husband of Mary. Why? Because Jesus wasn't begotten naturally. Joseph was not his natural father. He was begotten by the Holy Spirit. So, so if you, if you just, you could read over that real quick and go, begotten, 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 and you'll just pass over it, but you realize that Matthew goes, no, 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 listen. He, he was born of, of a virgin. He was born of a virgin. Okay? Very, very important. Guys, think about the people that God has used throughout the genealogy. None of them are perfect. They're all like us. They're all like us. And God uses them. And he uses broken people. And he uses people that that feel like they're not worth anything. And he uses them. And I bet you they're in heaven right now going, I can't believe God used me. And the thing that blows my mind, guys, is that God uses us, but there are times we're not even willing to be used. We're not even willing to be. Could you imagine if we, remember, what, what, what's the purpose of our series? What's to follow me? Guys, what it means is to become a fully devoted disciple of Jesus. I, I don't just want to be a Christian, and I don't want to just wear a T-shirt, and I don't just want to have a bumper sticker on my car. I want to be a disciple. I want to learn. I want to, I want to, I want to hear the sights. I want to hear the sounds. I want to walk with Jesus. I want to be, I, everything needs to revolve around Jesus. I want to be a disciple. Think about that. Can you imagine if we committed to being his disciple, what God could do through us? Do you guys realize that, that the disciples were world changers and so are you? How am I a world changer? Guys, when you influence those around you, you're changing the world. You're changing their world. When people get saved, it changes everything. Guys, think about this. He took a 17-year-old, snot-nosed punk and saved him so that he could change the world one person at a time. That, that was me. He changed my family. He changed my kids. He changed, and then, and then they change, and, 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 and they change, and look what happened. Up until that point, guys, we were all kind of following the same pattern religiously. You guys know what I'm talking about. And then God saved, and here I am, and, and my family goes, huh? But my point is, don't let anyone ever look down on you from where you came from, what you did, how you behaved. Don't ever let anybody, because God is so much bigger, and when he saved you, he set you on a course with a great plan. Now, some of us may never know the impact we had on people's lives until we get to heaven. Wow, I didn't feel like I did anything. I don't feel like I ministered to anybody. I don't feel like I... And then you get to heaven and you go, you don't realize that at work you behaved this way and I saw that and it changed my heart. I didn't tell you. Well, you, you don't realize this, but you ministered to me and you told me about Jesus and I kind of blew you off, but then I went home and I thought about it and I gave my life to God. And you're like, what? I didn't even know. But what the enemy wants to do, Reina, the enemy wants to come in and tell you that you have not amounted to anything in your whole life and that you haven't been a good, faithful servant and you haven't... I just show them the word. Hey, 
I mean, if it's not genealogy, let's talk about disciples, right? Let's talk about who Jesus picked. You're going to pick Matthew. Well, hey, I'm not Matthew. I'm not in the IRS. I'm not doing any. I'm not, I'm not stealing any money from you. He picked Matthew. He picked smelly fishermen, right? If you're going to pick somebody, don't pick smelly fish. Guys, you know, Peter, James, John, you guys, you smell like fish. You smell like water. You smell like, come on. I'm not going to pick them. I don't want to hang around with them. That's what Jesus does. And he's still doing it today. He's calling us to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus, to, to, to be a disciple. So he says, follow me. Hey, feathers, follow me. What does that mean? It doesn't mean click a button on your phone and go, I'm following Jesus. It says, I follow Jesus. I'm willing to lay down my life, this life, for him. I still love my family, but I, I love Jesus more. That's where we are, guys. That's what... That's what the Word of God tells us. So He beckons us. It's a fight. It's a fight. Because this flesh wants to do its own thing. It wants to do its own. I want to have my way. I want to have my fun. I want to seek pleasure. And the Lord's like, no, you need to die to self then. No, come on, Lord. Cut me some slight. He says, no, I, I want you to be a, a, a disciple. I want you to be a disciple. That's the genealogy. Let's look, guys, at the birth, verses 18 through 25. It says, now the birth of Jesus was as follows. So now he's, here it comes. After or his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, you guys see that? She was found with, the, with child in the Holy Spirit. Now here's what you need to know. There's things, a couple of things that jumped up. Number one, the word betrothed, okay? Betrothed. We don't use that anymore. Right? What happens these days is somebody gets down on one knee and says, baby, I love you so much, I want you to marry me, and, and she either says yes or, or not or whatever, and then you're engaged. We're engaged! We're engaged! We're going to have a wedding. That's how it works. But betrothal is a little bit different. Back in the day, guys, this is how it would be. The father would arrange a marriage for their son or daughter. So in other words, they would, they would arrange for my Cordy at seven years old. They would look somebody and go, okay, that's the one who you're betrothed. I think they come from a good family. And they would be betrothed until the day they said yes. There wouldn't be no dating. They wouldn't be like, hey, take me out on a date. Buy me flowers. They are betrothed. You understand that, right? A little bit different. Okay. When the daughter said yes, guess what would happen? The husband would go home and he would build their house. He would usually build it onto the father's house. Okay? And then what the bride would do is she would go home and she would prepare for her wedding day. Are you guys tracking with me? Now, here's what blows my mind. If you were betrothed, you didn't go home and prepare for your wedding day by going out with other boys. You understood that. Somebody said, hey, you're good looking. You would say, listen, I'm betrothed. My heart belongs to Joseph. When we're the bride of Christ, when we're the bride of Christ, our husband is home preparing a place for us. He doesn't want us here being unfaithful. So we have to be careful not to serve other gods. Don't make idols. 
That, that, would, be, that would be horrible. He's, he's sitting going, I'm building a house for you. And then he looks down and he goes, my bride is, my bride is, is, is cheating on me. That's why idolatry is so important. Now, here, here's the problem. The problem with idolatry is real subtle because we can take something very, very good but make it ultimate. And when we make it ultimate, we make it an idol. And so we have to be ever so, ever so conscious, be going, Lord, I don't want to make this an idol. I don't want to make this an idol. I don't want to put this. And, and we do it with all kinds of things. But we've we got to be careful. So, so back in our text, so, so what happens Think about what happened, guys. I want you to put yourself in Mary's sandals for a minute, okay? So here she is, guys. She's probably about 14 or so. Can you imagine? She's at home minding her own business, waiting for Joseph to come and, and marry her. And she's visited by an angel, and she says, Mary, yes, you're highly favored among women. And she's like, oh, wow, that's tripping me out. She says, by the way, you're going to conceive by the Holy Spirit and give birth to a son. Now, Listen, that's crazy. That's crazy. Because now she has the daunting task to tell her husband. You go, they're not married. No, when you're betrothed, it's like you're, you're married. In order to be unbetrothed, you had to give a certificate of divorce. And you're going, oh, oh, oh. So what does she do? Okay, Lord. Joseph? Yeah, baby? I got something to tell you. Uh, okay. I think you need to sit down for this. Um, I was visited by an angel last night, and he told me that I was going to be pregnant by the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to bring forth the Messiah. What do you think Joseph would have done? What would you have done? Um, excuse me? Yes. <laughs> Um, you, you did what? Wait, wait, what? Well, um, I haven't been with any man. Well, listen, um, I took science in school, biology. I know that, uh, no, it was the Holy Spirit. Now I'm pregnant. I'm going to give birth to the Messiah. What do you think? I don't know. I got to confer with my friends. Joe, what do you think? Hey, man. I think she's lying. I don't know. I mean, I just, I don't know what she's tripping, man. She, I don't think Joseph went, Amen. All right, baby. I don't think he did. I think if he's any one of us, he really, he really struggled with that. He really struggled, and he's just like, Are you, uh, uh, you understand. That if Joseph accepts what Mary says, that he is going to be open to a life of ridicule from here on out. You understand that, okay? If Joseph says, okay, Mary, let's do this, that they're not going to be in a great position socially, he's going to lose job. Now, remember, Joseph's a carpenter. And that there would be people going, I don't want any business. I don't want to give Joseph any business because... His wife got pregnant before they were married. You understand how we think. And so, so Joseph's like, oh. And this is why I think we need to give Joseph a little more credit on Christmas. Because he took a huge risk. 
Guys, I mean, they would be social outcasts. Their name would be tarnished. And I mean, think about poor Jesus the rest of his life. Every time he was playing with other kids, you don't even know who your dad is. And Jesus would go, it's Joseph, that's my dad. No, my mom said, you guys understand what that would do to, to Jesus. This is what's going down. Oh, you're, you're illegitimate. Oh, so what did Joseph have to do? He had some thinking to do, right? Look at verse 19. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. So Joseph is a righteous dude, man. He's like, listen, I know what she did. <laughs> but he's betrothed. So when it says put away secretly, he was going to offer her legally a bill of divorcement. Okay? He doesn't believe her. And he's like, wow. Joseph is thinking right now, how am I going to get out of this? How am I going to have a life? Okay, I was busy minding my own business, building our house. I loved Mary. We were betrothed since we were little. I love Mary. Mary's been the only one for me. And now she tells me that she's pregnant by God? I think she's lost it. Right? Next, on Dr. Phil, woman says she's pregnant by God. You know, I mean, you guys understand. That's how. And, 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 and so he goes, man, I, I just, I just. So what does he do? Well, he goes to think about it, verse 20. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David. Wait a minute. Why does he say son of David? Because he's from the lineage, right? He's from the lineage of David, but, the, but Jeconiah was cursed. Isn't that amazing? God uses the bloodline of Mary and still the kingly line of David. That's how we get King Jesus. Joseph. Yes, sir. Son of David, do not be afraid. He says, take Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived of her is the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Yahshua or Jesus, and he will save his people from their sins. So all this will be done that it might be fulfilled, which is spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, behold, a virgin shall be with child and bear son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. And Joseph, being aroused from his sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded them, took him as his wife, and notice here, did not know her until she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Did you see that? You see that? Now, in these final verses, guys, guess what happens? Two things jump out at us. What's that? The angel appears to Joseph and assures him what's going on. Now, I've had some weird dreams. Have you all had some weird dreams in your life? We've had some weird dreams, but this, I mean, I'd have to know for sure, okay? And I'll tell you why. When we started with COVID-19, there was a pastor who came, very famous pastor on YouTube that came in and said that God showed him this dream and that all this stuff was going to happen in October and there was going to be, I mean, just crazy stuff. Scared people half to death, okay? 
And I sat there and I was like, oh my goodness, I need to go out and protect my family. It was just, it was really intense. You guys understand that? And this was early on. This was like in the summertime. I was like, oh. But what I realized, what I realized is that in, in doing some research that this pastor was, was reading over a hundred articles a day based on COVID and all that was going on. And I thought, guess what happens? That messes with your brain. You understand that? And when you think about a lot of stuff, you tend to have dreams about this. Oh, I had a dream, and, and there was World War III and guns and this and that. And so I was like, okay. I wonder if Joseph said, I've been thinking a lot about this. Is this really from God? Mary told me, you know, because when you think about something, you tend to dream about it. If you think about it a lot, if it's in your subconscious, you tend to dream about it. Okay? You also have crazy dreams. Like, like crazy dreams. And... But I wonder if Joseph was like, God, is that really you? But Joseph doesn't. He goes, okay, Lord, this is you. He, he gets it. There's something, there's something in here, okay? So what we see here, guys, is that is Jesus, he says, hey, Joseph, don't be afraid. Go ahead and take Mary as your wife. For she's pregnant. She's pregnant by the Holy Spirit, okay? Now, there's something that jumps out at us that I think you can take home today. You guys ready? I want you to keep this in mind. To me, if I'm Joseph, Eva, I know, whoo, that was from God. Amen. I'd go to Mary. Mary, you're exactly right. I'm sorry for doubting you, honey. Please forgive me. Wow, the Lord came to me and said, this is, this is going down. I can't believe he chose us. Whoo, I'd be relieved. Wouldn't you be? Now, here's the thing. Here's what I want you to see, okay? He had God's promise. I'm going to be with you. You, you guys see that? I'm going to be with you. Take her, your wife. It's going to be fine. Okay? And you go, Ben, what jumped out at you? Even though Joseph had the promises of God, that God was with them, God was going to take care of Jesus. I mean, think about this. It didn't mean his life was going to be easy. Guys, the reason that life gets hard is because we expect it to be too easy. That's the reason life is hard, because we expect it to be, we expect to, we, we expect to be cruise control, and God's like, no, 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 listen, you have my promises. I'm going to be with you every step of the way, Rosa. Mary, I'm going to be with you every step of the way, but that doesn't mean life is going to be easy. It means I'm going to be with you. But I'm telling you, I'm going to be honest. I, I want easy. I want easy. I don't, Lord, I'm glad you're with me, but could you please pave the road a little bit? These rocks are hard. These bumps are brutal. Lord, he says, no, I'm going to be with you. And when the hard times come, you can count on me. This is Joseph. Think about what happened from this point on. They were attacked more often than not. Hey, Joe, how you doing? See your boy, huh? Um, Joe, when did you get married? First, first attack, right? Well, he's, he's already three. You say you got married a year ago or two years ago, whatever it might be, right? Huh. One or two things. Joe, did you have sex with your wife before or did she have sex with... You guys understand. You understand. Okay? So more often than not, guys, and I think it's the same for us. Guys, when we accept Jesus in our hearts, listen to me. When we choose to be a disciple, when we obey his commands, more often than not, 
we're going to be attacked in several ways. And when we and when the people attacking us allow their emotions to get involved, then it's even even more brutal. But God is always with us. And we win in the end. That's what we need. We win in the end. Okay? So tomorrow, when you go to work, just smile. We win. And when this person that all of a sudden you're just like, whoa, this is crazy. No. Know what? Know that the end is short. The end is coming soon, and so we have to be ready. And as we get closer to the final the more frequent the attacks are going to be. It's okay. Joseph put up with that. Mary put up with that. Can you imagine? Can you imagine, moms? Moms, can you imagine? That's your boy. You know what God told you. You know he was conceived of the Holy Spirit. You know he's the Messiah. And yet people brutally would just ridicule you and insult you. Can you imagine, moms? And you go, listen, I can take it. Bring it on. Tell, call me whatever you want to call me. But leave Jesus alone. Because how many times did Jesus come crying in? Come crying to mom, to Mary, saying, you know what? My friends don't want to play with me anymore because they said I don't have a dad. Wow. That's how people are. They don't understand. And because they don't understand, guess what? We understand. We have the word. Well, what's the second thing that jumps out? Guys, ready? Joseph obeys. What do you mean? Here's what we need to understand. He obeys, and he doesn't know his wife until Jesus was born. Okay? What we need to understand, at that point, Joseph has a normal sexual relations with his wife. Okay? We have to understand that. Okay? As a matter of fact, they even go on to have more kids. Jesus has brothers. Now, the problem is, is that in recent years, you've had people go, no, no, no. You see, Mary has to be a perpetual virgin. As a, as a matter of fact, there was a little miniseries, I think it was on Hulu or Netflix, that, that talked about Jesus, the boy Jesus. And, and, and basically, James, they actually portrayed James as a cousin whom they adopted, because that's how we that's how we maintain the perpetual virginity of Mary and then actually elevate her to deity, which is not true at all. There's only Jesus. Now, Mary, she's highly favored among women. Absolutely. Okay? But after Jesus was born, she went on to have other kids. She went on to have a normal relationship. See, he didn't call Joseph to be celibate. He called Joseph to be a husband and a good stepdaddy, if you will. I don't even know if you call it step. He'd just, he'd be dad. He'd be dad. Let's close. Let's close with a simple reminder. All of chapter one, guys, is God uses broken and messed up people. I love that. That's the only reason I'm up here. 
That's the only reason is that God uses broken. And guys, I'm, there, there are times I still feel broken inside. And I still ask the Lord, Lord, are you sure? But see, his kingdom, guys, is an upside-down kingdom. With the, men, with, with the likes of Matthew, a tax collector, a Rome supporter. With the likes of Mary, who simply obeys and loves God to bring in the chosen Messiah. Guys, and the likes of Tamar and Rahab, who are saved by grace. Who are broken emotionally, mentally, and then they allow the Lord to come in and heal that. So let me say this. If you're here today and you feel like you're not worth much, you're exactly who God can use for his kingdom. You're exactly who God's looking for. Someone who shows up humble and says, I'm not worth much, and God goes, you're exactly who I want. In my eyes, you're worth everything. How precious are you that I would be willing to die for you? And you know what I wrote here? Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Isn't that great? Aren't you glad God's kingdom is not like, the, like man's kingdom? Aren't you glad that it's upside down and, and he says, man, all are welcome. Where would we be, guys? I don't have the pedigree. I don't have the, I don't have the royalty to be standing here. But through Jesus, we can. So tomorrow, in your jobs, where you go, people you see, let God use you like never before. Amen? Father, thank you for your word. God, thank you for all of Matthew chapter 1. Thank you that we see so much and it jumps out at us. God, today, we bless you. We love you. We thank you. God, we commit today to be fully devoted followers of Christ. We commit to be your disciples. That's why we're here. Use us in ways like never before, God. Use us at the gym, at our workplace, uh, at the grocery store. Use us at um, whatever it might be that you would use us, God. We love you, Lord. Thank you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.